container is a, a way for me to package my .NET application so that I can go and, and run it on some infrastructure. And the bottom up is really that containers allow me to build an image that supports that. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Development Best Practices Podcast brought to you by ILM Professional Services. I am your podcast host, Jason Erdahl, and on today's episode, I am pleased to welcome Matt Milner, Pluralsight author, speaker, and consultant. Minnesota Developers Conference attendees know Matt from the great talks he's given over the years on everything from serverless computing to MAUI. Today's episode begins a three-part series that will walk you through container basics, dealing with container conflict, using containers in pipelines, and the future of containers in .NET. Be sure to check out the show notes for valuable info. Let's bring in Matt. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Matt Milner. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Can you give yourself a good introduction? I mean, I know of you as a great speaker and an awesome LinkedIn learning guy. Um, Tell us about yourself a little bit, Matt. Yeah, it's a good question. I I tend to split my time between doing training like uh, LinkedIn learning or Pluralsight videos, speaking at uh, conferences. Uh, Looking forward to getting back to that and traveling around a little bit. but I, you know, I used to be on the other side of the learning piece. I went to college for psychology, you know, thought I was going to work on college campuses, helping students. Hmm. And then I, you know, realized that computers were really my passion. And so I did a lot of self-teaching, uh, a lot of out there learning back in, back in the day that was reading books, um, you know, with <laughs> printed big fat books that I had to carry around. I've got, I probably still got a couple on a, on a bookshelf here. Um, yeah. but I, you know, so I, kind of came from that background of really trying to learn technologies and, and use books and learning materials. So I try to apply that when I teach things. And then based on that learning, I, I do consulting as well. So I try and make sure I, you know, keep working and, and keep current with technologies and working with customers. So I understand real world uh, what some of that teaching actually means. I love that. I love that. So, well, um, we're not going to talk about this today, but you hold the record for my favorite name of uh, uh, an MDC talk. Um, So, uh, (laughs) Blazer, it's not the next Silverlight. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Uh, I just, uh, just say, just heads up, Blazer is not Silverlight. It's going to stick around. So that was great. (laughs) But anyway. Hey, um, I warned you about this one. Uh, uh, how about, uh, uh, we got this fun thing we do on the podcast where we, we force our guests to give us a best practice in something other than development. Uh, why don't you, why don't you hit us up with one? I've got a timely one and I call it best practices. My family would probably call it neuroses or something else, but (laughs) it's timely because it's all about snow removal. As you know, here in Minnesota, we've had I think 80 plus inches of snow this year and lots of melt and refreeze. And so my best practice is that while it's important to go out and shovel when it snows, it's more important to go out and clean up in between the snows and make sure that you kind of maintain it. Because what I find is my neighbors will get a half an inch of snow and they just go eh, and leave it. And that becomes the ice layer that you walk on as you're walking your dog or trying to go out around the neighborhood. And so, um, like I said, it may be a bit more of a neurosis, but this morning we had that little dusting last night of really 
frosty stuff. And I went out real quick before my meetings and scraped off that little bit from the sidewalk. And now my sidewalk is mostly dry because the sun does the rest of the work once you once you do that. So I'm yeah. suffering a little from not practicing that myself on my back uh, driving driveway and the alley because I didn't maintain it. And now I've got a big lip and a puddle which I haven't bothered to look at today because I imagine it's now a frozen lake on the corner of my parking pad. But Right, right, right. Well, the thing I always tell people is, well, you understand that icebergs don't happen in one year, right? They build right. up over time. <laughs> Same thing about the ice, the ice shelf that grows up on your driveway. So it does yep. take a while to build up. Um, but I, I'm even more neurotic. I don't like to drive on even a light period of snow because it then you get kind of this ice lip where the, where someone drove out. So my yep. wife was looking to go out last night and I'm like, no, 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 wait, you can't go until I shovel. Um, <laughs> I'm the same. So no, I'm the same. Let I'm me shovel it first before you pack it down. Yes. A stitch in time saves nine. We got to come up with a Minnesota way to say that. A, sh a shovel in time saves seven shoveled. I don't know. We'll come up with something. Check the show <laughs> we'll notes for it. that one, folks. Let's see if we can figure something out. So anyway. All right. Um, so uh, we're going to talk today about .NET and containers. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start out with some of the basics. Real 101 stuff. Yep. What are containers? So I, I like to think of containers both from kind of a top-down definition and, the, and a bottom-up. So for me, the top-down is a container is a, a way for me to package my .NET application so that I can go and, and run it on some infrastructure. Right. And the bottom-up is really that uh, containers allow me to build an image, which we'll talk about, I think, uh, build an mm -hmm. image that supports that. So if I go bottom up, it's, oh, well, I've got Linux and then I've got some app services on that Linux and then I install .NET on that. And those are all containers that kind of layer up to the point where I can now say, well, I want to build a container of just my application, but everything else that I need to run it is going to be there because of that bottom up uh, building that we did. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and uh, uh, one of those you, things where you, I can go run it in a lot of different places. And that's, that's to me the big benefit of, you know, right. hey, it's just code in a package. The benefit is that I can go run it in a lot of different hosts now. You got it. Portability is a good thing. So yeah. um, you did mention images. Uh, give me a, a definition of images in this context. What do you mean by images? Yeah, what's interesting is we, we often say, and I just did, uh, I'm going to package my application as a container. Right. Right. When really what we're building is an image. And so those those layers I talked about are each images. You know, I have a Linux image of a particular distro and that's, you know, I could run that and I would have a, a, a Linux operating system running. And then we have another image that depends on that that says, well, I'm going to take that Linux image and I'm going to change it. I'm going to, you know, use the apt get and apply some services or apply some other packages on there. And then we have another image, which is the .NET you know, SDK image maybe, or the .NET runtime image that depends on that, that other layer. And so the image is really how I've captured a particular environment and dependencies underneath it. And that's what you're really building when you say you're you know, packaging your app, you're creating an image. The container then is when you run that, you have a container instance, right? Now I'm gonna run this, I might have two container instances for load balancing or five or 10. Um, yeah. And then volumes yeah. are really, uh, you know, these these containers are things that we can easily spin up 
and tear down, right? They're very lightweight. They're very easy to start and tear down. But because that image is set, you know, it's just got my code on it, for example. If I want to write files, if I need to have persistence or store data, I can't do that in the container image. So that's where volumes come in. And kind of a simple example would be, it's another drive in your computer or it's an attached drive, you know, a shared network drive. It's a volume that you can configure to say, when this container starts, here's some storage that I can write to. I map it into you know, the, the actual container image with a path that makes sense. And when I write things, it's going to get stored there. So for example, on my desktop, I can spin up a SQL server container. I can actually, you know, install a database and add data to it. And when I turn off that container, that data is now stored maybe on my E drive or my D drive, one of my hard disks. And I can then continually restart that container and that data will be there because it's stored persistently on a drive outside of the container. Got it. Got it. So when you're talking about instances and storage storage and applications, it makes me think about virtual machines. How are containers different from virtual machines? There's a couple different ways that I, I think about the differences. And one is, um, the, you know, the typical one is a virtual machine, you, you've got the whole stack duplicated, right? So I've got to have the operating system running for all of the different virtual machines. So if I'm running six virtual machines on a server, they all are running Windows or they're all running that Linux underneath there. And then they're kind of full-blown machines, right? They're virtual, but they have the full stack. Whereas a container is much more lightweight. And because the images don't change, you don't have to run the whole uh, operating system for each of the VMs. If you've got that base image and it's shared, you're not having to spin up kind of the heavyweight full virtual machine to do that work. Um, the other is the way we manage. You know, a virtual machine is a server. Somebody's got to go in and maybe apply updates and you can go in and change things in that virtual machine. Uh, I'm <laughs> dealing at my current client right now with, uh, well, the dev environment and the test environment are different because somebody logged in and changed the permissions or they changed something right. else. You know, VMs right. are, are persistent. And so you can go in and make changes to them, which means if I deploy my code there, it may or may not work where those container images are set. You know, I say my app container image depends on this, you know, .NET image. For now, that's set. And I know it's going to have everything I expect it to have. And if it runs on my desktop in Docker or, you know, I run the container locally, it's going to run when I go put it somewhere else because all the stuff underneath it is set. It's not going to change until I change it. Okay, so it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, running on your desktop. Um, I was asking around about questions. They, I told some developers I know that I was chatting with you, and they had mentioned that the last time they tried to use Docker and containers, it was really fussy on their Windows machine. Um, mm. Is it still um, troublesome, or is that better now? Um, I not knowing what the specific problems they had were, it's hard to say, but I have not had problems for the last several years with running Docker. Um, and I think one of the big things that's changed is that, uh, Microsoft has really invested on the windows side on the windows subsystem for Linux and Docker now takes advantage of that. So that kind of Linux versus windows compatibility is a lot more baked into the operating system. Um, that yeah. may make a big difference in terms of Docker if you're using uh, those Linux containers, which is pretty typical. 
No, that makes sense. And I'll admit, I deal a lot more in Docker on Azure, right? A cloud server. Mm-hmm. Um, is there such a thing as as containers for WCF or you know .NET .NET development on Windows? Is this a Maui thing? Um, can Docker and containers does that work on a Windows machine, a desktop as well? Yeah, in terms of uh, okay, certainly good. for development, I use yeah. um, Docker you know as the kind of the host for containers to run them on my development machine. Uh, so I Got use it. it for Linux containers and. Good. run all sorts of stuff in there while I'm doing Good. development. And okay. I've actually found, uh, I had a client that needed to do some development against a SQL server and an FTP server. I don't actually Got want it. to install an FTP server on my desktop. And uh, I kind of didn't want to install a SQL server. I wanted to keep it clean. And so I created two containers, one using a, an FTP container that I was able to download, one using Microsoft's container for SQL on Linux. And now I've got the ability to just kind of spin up and say, hey, now I've got a SQL server running. Now I've got an FTP server running. I can test everything locally, but I'm still kind of connecting to these things through the ports and and have all of that configuration kind of set up. Yeah, yeah. I'll admit, every time I think containers, I think Docker. Um, Docker containers, containers Docker. What are the other container services like Docker? that are out there? Are, are there good competitors or is it really just Docker is the oligopoly and, and, and all the rest are kind of yeah niche uses? I think you may get different answers from different people. I, in my mind, kind of the de facto standards are Docker is what you're going to use probably on your desktop. If you're doing container development and you want to have some, some control over that. Whereas Kubernetes has kind of become the de facto standard for running containers you know, at scale or in a production environment. So if you're going to go put it on a server and run it, it's probably using Kubernetes under the covers. Um, If you're running it locally, you're probably using Docker to do it. Um, And that's one of those great pieces of the portability is that, you know, that same container that I build on my desktop with Docker is going to go out and run on that Kubernetes infrastructure because the container image, the, the kind of the format and all of those specs are all common. And so it worked across those different hosts. Many thanks to Matt for a great first episode in our series. Be sure to check back in a few weeks for part two of our .NET and Container series, Avoiding Container Conflict. The Development Best Practices podcast is brought to you by ILM Professional Services. Do you have a .NET application that could benefit from containerization? Or maybe you already have containers in place and need to figure out how to optimize them. In either case, ILM can help. Please visit ilmservice.com today to get some help. If you have any feedback on this episode or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at ilmservice.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.